0: First topic here, as I sometimes do, <laughs> I was scrolling through Twitter looking at uh, at all my random fantasy baseball and baseball people that I follow, and I saw a tweet that I, I really liked, and then I was like, this is so good, we should probably talk about this on the pot. So Down on the Farm, at Down on the Farm 12, tweeted, here is a look at drafted war by all organizations since 2010 astros in the lead by quite a bit the angels tigers and yankees have accumulated the least amount of value through the draft angels are not last as i previously tweeted but they are pretty close to last let me describe this graph to you so this is war totals by organization for drafted player organizations are on the x-axis wins above replacement fan graphs so cumulative on the y-axis for players drafted since 2010 I mean, this sort of tells you what we've been talking about on the minor league systems. Like, who do we trust? Well, if if they're in the Astros system or the Baltimore system or the Marlins system or the Blue Jays system or the or if they were drafted yeah. by the Mets. Now, yeah. remember, drafted by the Mets, not necessarily in the system. Don't trust that. Um, those players end up amounting to something. And if, they're, if they got drafted by the Tigers, the Yankees, the Angels— and stay in that system?
1: Honestly, I mean, this This kind of, this gut check, this works for me. I mean, this oh, is, yeah. I sort of, you know, you sort of know this. And this is, I mean, the this was put together by Down on the Farm 12 because it was talking about how badly the Angels have drafted after taking Trout, which we already knew because they cannot put a team together around Mike Trout. <laughs> right? Would, yeah, and the only player that's any good is Otani, who was signed... Not through the draft. Yeah, exactly. And we know that teams like the Yankees don't really bother with the draft. They're going to buy the talent. They're going to buy the mature talent later to win. And we now we know why the Tigers haven't been doing mm-hmm. well because they had great drafts sort of in the early 2000s, but they don't buy players. And now we see why they've been struggling for so long. If you don't do either one of those things, then you're really going to be bad. I guess I'm also looking at this like, Boy, if I was a if I was a front office person in the Tigers, uh, you know, Tigers organization, I'd be like hiding this from my bosses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, uh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's Twitter's uh, down. <laughs> yeah, don't
0: don't take a look at that. I've got so many reasons why this is happening. I mean, at least like
1: the Royals, you have like real you have like a few real excuses, but what about the Phillies? I mean the Phillies yeah. are way down here, the Giants are way down here. Both of those, I'd be if I was in the front office, I'd be like, uh I'm gonna I'm gonna bury this. No. I'm gonna try to bury this from the owners. Yeah, just interesting stuff. I mean, it it is I, I like this. This is a good one number distillation that makes perfect sense. Like we can explain I feel like I can explain every bar on here. <laughs> you know, like I can I can mm-hmm. actually do it. And the range is huge, though. I mean, if you just look at the raw numbers, so let's exclude the Astros because they're way above. But the Mets are at 150-ish WAR. Tigers are at yeah 50. 150 WAR. I mean, three times more value out of the draft. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and it really tells
0: you the center of the distribution like makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's sort of interesting is some of these teams that you think of as like having and developing good talent, like the Red Sox have Mookie bets. They, they developed him. I, I don't know when that, was, that it was drafted. I guess that's a good point to think about. Anyways, they're center of the distribution. Being able to evaluate the talent that you have seems to be another really important thing because the teams right ahead of them, the Cubs and the Mariners, haven't been able to develop the actual talent because they keep moving on from players. Whereas the Rays are the, and the Braves are right behind the Red Sox, and they've—you can think of the players that they yeah. have: McClanahan yeah. and Acuna. Right yeah. there, just are able to isolate the talent from the draft that they have. Remember, this is a draft, not the actual farm yeah. system. So, I don't know. Very interesting. Good. It, I mean, I, I need to use this in uh,
1: finding minor league players. Of
0: like, who drafted them? Tigers. <laughs> Get out of here.
1: Check in on uh, check in on some some numbers here. It's getting a little boring on the fantasy leaders, so let's buzz through this. Aaron Judge number one for six weeks. Shane McClanahan number one for three weeks. Uh, again, don't particularly see either of those changing. McClanahan's got does have Alcantara and Verlander breathing down his neck. They're comments. So yeah, they're coming possible more. he could bump off Judge. I don't see it. I don't again don't see it. No, 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 no. So we'll just keep track of the streaks and we'll just follow that. Watch! Ooh, watch out. Is he a home run derby? Oh, that's a good thing to know. i He seems like he's a home run derby guy.
0: What, yeah, one of my favorite. After the sophomore slump, probably my second favorite is uh,
1: never invest in a guy who was in the home that's run right. derby. <laughs> that's half. right. Second half. We're going to keep an eye on that. Uh, TGFBI, I have moved up to 395. Recording. on Under nice. 400 there here. And you are at 280. There we go. Both moved up this week. I stayed again. at the same spot. Oh, I think I would. Oh, I moved up, up one yeah, spot. I was two eighty one. Right. Uh, so I'm. It looks like I'm really at. This is where I'm supposed to be. It's true. I. So I will say I noted just noting a couple things. I'm amazed. You are the seventh best in K's, in all mm-hmm. of TGFBI. That's amazing, but you are also the tenth worst in saves. So I, those are correlated. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. So that's, that's always interesting. Um, I am literally the second worst in batting average. My TGFBI batting average is 223, which is, wow, that is wild. Amazingly bad for an average across yeah. all of these guys. Uh, my, my best category, yeah, That's really best cool. category is saves. It's not, not remarkable. Nothing remarkably good. Not like seventh best, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to continue to invest in saves, try and stay hot there. Batting average, I'm punting. It's over for batting average. I don't care who I put in mm-hmm. now. It's pure volume at this point. I cannot. At I mean, this I cannot point, get like, worse. You, I cannot get worse in batting. You can't. What no. am I going to do? Lose one point no. from it? <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> ouch. <laughs> like. So. Yeah, that is so wild. That's, uh, that is that's wildly that's bad. Where we're at. I thought about trying to fix it for a couple weeks. It's not going to happen.
0: There was no point. No, don't focus. Exactly. On it, right? I, don't there's focus. no reason. You, just a variation, just a variation in a couple
1: of weeks, you can probably go up by 10 Well, exactly, spots. exactly. So, I don't know, just going to hold on. All right, take us into the main segment. All right, we've been
0: talking, I've been kind of two topics that I've been talking about with with you, dear listeners, uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, one has been ownership, looking at ownership data. Um, we've done some retooling this year to get ownership data from, um, fantasy pros. We'd usually, we'd been using CBS, but now we're using fantasy pros for that. And the other thing is, uh, looking at projections. Um, I have been, (laughs) I've been really mucking up a script (laughs) that like does the important stuff in that. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, um, it's a rat's nest. It sort of looked like, uh. C three PO at the end of of um, Empire Strikes Back when he's covered in wires is <laughs> basically what the script looked sure. like, and now it should be it, it should it, it, things are a little bit better. Um, but I guess it gets to one of the things, which is I need to
1: reinvest some neurons in Jupyter notebooks. You, I mean, you're giddy about I, this. Well, I am giddy because it means that I will actually you know be able to work with it now. <laughs> this is in a format that you like so jupiter notebooks
0: do you uh do you know much of the history on jupiter notebooks
1: oh they're just built to be an interactive visualization for or you know a visualization for the interactive sessions of of python
0: oh it wasn't well i mean jupiter it, it was i mean astronomers were the ones who really took this well yeah because we like to do, we this. like to do
1: things as easily as possible yeah but it's it's julia python r Right is what Jupyter comes from. Yeah. Yep, you can you can do e- any one of those those languages
0: in it. But the thing the thing is, so it's an it's, it's essentially it's an IDE, it's an yeah. integrated development environment, yep. and it's sort of, in a way, is sort of light, it's lightweight, and it it, it provides a, a documentation, yep. integrated documentation in a way that comments never really quite get you there. I've always been a fan of writing scripts. I like writing a script. I like. I don't really like the REPL, as as, as uh, the kids call it. Um, do they
1: really call it the REPL?
0: They do. So I like to. But all right, fair enough. I've what? never heard someone say REPL before. That's oh, it's it's
1: coming into vogue in the development the developer uh, program. I hear people say R E P L. Oh, go over to the REPL. I don't hear any REPL, but okay, I'll I'll, I'll keep my ear to the ground for it.
0: Keep your keep your ear out for it. Um. But I like to I like to write a script and work through the console it together. Um, unfortunately, at work, I now will have to to be able to have an IDE that allows me to see data frames. I will have to develop in, in uh, with Jupyter notebooks in VS Code though. So not even in Ooh. the native. Uh, not, not even like the way that most people will use Jupyter Notebooks. So they'll go through their web browser to, to
1: do the development. That's very interesting. Okay. It's an unex- mm-hmm. unexpected little wrinkle. Yeah. Yep. Because
0: huh. the key is, for a data scientist, you need to be able to see a data frame. You need to be able to see the tables that you're working with. You need to know, like, is it? have i populated this with all strings is this right you know just be able to quickly look and then go back and that's not something that i could do in any other the the
1: development environments options this is is just like this is just like when i didn't want to adopt pandas in the first place because you're like it's so easy you just inspect it and you're like there's got to be a hit there's got to be a hitch and it's like yeah it sometimes takes a little bit longer but it's worth it no, I I understand. I, I get it. There, there there are just a lot of benefits to being able to do on the fly analysis like this or on the fly like inspection. On the fly inspection. That's like the yeah. biggest thing. It's like, okay, I need to be in the halfway through
0: the script, something is going wrong. I need to be able to look at the table yeah. and see if it's done the thing that I exactly. thought that it did. That's the whole idea of using Python versus using C sharp. Yep. Yeah. It's like I wanna look at the data. I wanna play with the data. That's I, I I have a system for that. Anyways, sorry. Listeners, hopefully, hopefully, we've gotten some of you into data science, <laughs> and we've exposed some of you to some of the thought processes necessary for doing data science. And this isn't totally bore you, or you're the manager of someone who uh, who performs data science, and you're able to talk a little bit like, "Oh, oh are you going to do that?" Well, now, yeah, now they're going to say REPL. It's great. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, so I have, so I had a script. It was called Under. Ownership underscore curve, and I had um, put together some functions to do a couple of big tasks, um, and then I had just a bunch of lines of codes doing stuff. Some of it was commented out. Some of it was for from four years ago, commented out because I thought that was funny. How'd you? How'd you, I told how'd you. You know the, that. This is your list of names. This is your MP. Oh, a, a couple of weeks ago, I, I told Mike like, "Oh, you're so stupid." They sampled players that you gave me most of them oh were, yeah 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 no 4 4 years 5%. ago is right absolutely so you had given me these when i was doing developing the ownership curve script the first time I finally decided i need to pull that out do some real um do some real cleanup of this script and also kind of split it up so that there can be so we can really do functional programming so there can be functions in one script and then a notebook that calls that script with the functions yes. and uses all those functions that's that's real function as functional programming
1: that's the way it's supposed to work I, exactly yes <laughs> it's a. Uh, you we're learning i mean we're we're slowly being dragged kicking and screaming into the object-oriented world as instead of the the scripting mm. world we'll get there yes yeah
0: so and and script scripting is a general idea is you just write like hundreds of lines of code yes. and do the things that you want to yes. and, then, and the whole idea is it's it is managing all the workflow that you're doing, Yep, but not anything more yes. than that. And then functional programming is that you divide up the work. You think about this in like a work breakdown structure kind of way of here are the steps that I'm going to take, and I'm going to do those steps. And then you have fewer lines of code, cleaner lines of code. Self-documenting lines. Of yep. About. Anyway, so I've split off all the stuff that I've been mucking about the last couple of, of weeks in. And um, Michael, what do you what do you what do you see, or what what have you uh, have you taken you've taken a look at the? Um, I haven't
1: put any any um, breakdown. No, on. I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing Markdown exactly what range. I want to see, which is daily ownership. Percentages for individual players. This is exactly what we were talking about when we were kicking around. What should we? What should we think about this week? I mean, you've been collecting this data now since uh, May twentieth. Looks like we got we got daily basis since roughly May twentieth, and there's good stuff. I mean, you see you see a bunch of things. First of all, you get a sense of what sort of the guy's random scatter is. There's like a couple percent, you know, a few percent (laughs) random scatter in all of these. And then you start to see all these yeah. correlated features and features that you know uh, that you know go along with certain things. Like I'm looking at I'm looking at guys where ob- it's obvious when some Monday mornings hit. <laughs> you're like, mm, I wonder, wonder why a bunch of these, wonder yeah. why a bunch of these guys got added. Um, but you're also seeing you're seeing short term trends and you're also seeing long term trends. I'm looking at looking at different guys here that are slowly trending up over time based on good performances. I mean, Spencer Strider, look at that. Like, good growth, Spencer. Yeah, Paul Sewell. Yeah, yeah. Is, he's got some good, some real good growth. I mean, I'm a big fan of guys that go from essentially near zero up to something. Yeah. You know, so, so that's why that's why I singled out Spencer Strider here. He starts from 10-ish percent May 22nd. He's got a few small little bumps, but he basically just constant increase to 80% now. Holy cow. That's a lot of ownership yeah he had a little dip there but people are back on him had a little dip there he got he got his you know his hot pick up there right around the first of June and then a little bit of a fall off I mean we used to we used to joke about these like um, the guys that had huge spikes like great performances and then and then fade out uh, the Kuznets curve that's player. right you haven't you haven't picked a lot of those guys but I'm actually I think I'm more interested in the short-term trends than the long-term trends i think but this is the thing that with it that's the thing where you really need to investigate a little bit more i mean because what i want to use this for in fantasy is calibrating a model for how how likely it is that a guy will be picked up in a given week so what i want to know i want to yeah. have a sense of like if i don't pick this guy up this week am i going to have a shot at him again in the future or is this mm-hmm. it and that's what I want to know. Because a bunch of these guys, you know, okay, maybe their value is not going to be realized for a few weeks, like Spencer Strider or something. So you see him get picked up, and then you see people start to drop him because he's not really paying off. But obviously you wanted to own him because he's climbing after that. Right, 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 right,
0: right. No, exactly. Yeah, I did the same with Jose. Yes, Oquiti. It was yeah. like the the directionality he's been 60% owned all year, and now he's going, he's flirting, he's going up towards 80. It's like... I actually want him. Last week was the time to probably grab him cuz if he continues this yep. upwards trend, I'm not going to get him. And you'd rather have you'd rather pick up three or four guys and throw back one or two and have the ones that continue growth rather than o- only getting the only
1: really highlighting one guy and putting all your eggs in that basket. Yeah, I mean in a in a league like in, in a league like TGFBI, where you have a massive number of dollars that you can throw at this at the revolving door players, like you would rather have picked up Isaac Peretti's on June fifteenth yeah. when he's at zero percent ownership. You can definitely get him for a dollar and he suddenly shoots to sixty percent ownership. Like he's you're not gonna get him for a dollar anymore and if you can even get him at this point. But it's kind of this question of like, oh, should I have bought should I have bought these low guys and then, you know, cycle them through? Like, same thing. A bunch of these guys that you picked up, like Tyler Wells. Maybe I should have gotten Kyle Farmer early or Brendan Donovan. You've got all these guys that you could definitely get for a dollar. And then you just throw them yeah, back. and just see. If they, if they don't realize value after a certain period of time. Yeah, exactly. So this is, so Mike
0: is, is showing, so the, the Jupyter Notebook has, essentially it starts with uh, bringing in the ownership curve, the old script where all of this lived. And then creating a database of, of an ownership database from the data that is being grabbed by um, GitHub Actions every day, and then it's finding the highest climbers from the last week. It calculates who has who has changed ownership the most over the last week. Prints those out, and then it finds the biggest followers over the last week. Those who have decreased ownership the most in the last week. Prints those out, then it prints out a series of graphs for all those players identified, biggest fallers and um, highest climbers. Then it does something interesting. This is the part that we, we're, we've we been sort of working on lately, which is, well, having this ownership data from fantasy pros means that we also have some projection data, the changing in projections over the year. So what I've done is um, the week before last, I talked about kind of limiting, trying to isolate some key variables for hitters, as in runs plus RBIs or home runs plus stolen bases, creating three categories to like isolate interesting players who are um, going in the right direction in the projections. Um, and then, so we identify those players. So John Birdie or An- Andrew Velasquez, Brandon Donovan, Franchi Cordero, et cetera. And then graph those out on the ownership access so you can see like, okay, well, Franchi Cordero... His projections are increasing, which is awesome from where they were preseason. Still like less than ten yeah, percent owned. Yeah. So if we can still wait for the sample size to grow if we want to. Or and then Brendan Donovan, well, he's had his trajectory of ownership has been up, but all of a sudden it's going back down. So that those projections might be going the other direction. So it's really interesting to see to so using ownership as a validation of sort of that. Uh, that interesting player. So Brandon Drury, if if you have the chance, looks like everything is pointing towards him. And then this guy, Julio
1: <laughs> Rodriguez. Who could that guy be? Do you know him? Who could that guy be? Yeah. Uh, Aaron Judge also. Yeah, I lo- I, I'm loving loving this, the Aaron Judge graph on here. Like, thanks. Thanks yeah. for making and that. And then it's, <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. And then it's also highlighting the players who have the, um, we're going the other direction. Oh, I, I'm not. I'm, no, I'm. It also has the ones that are going the other direction. I was going to do that, I guess, but then I stopped because they're all injury players. Yeah. Now I've st- I've taken a look at doing this for pitchers. Mm. And what? Why don't I do? Uh, listeners, we never share screens. Oh boy. Here we go. <laughs> Brave new world. Um Oh, there we go. We'll see. We'll see if we actually continue this trend. All right. Now I've. Brought in the pitching data too. It's a little bit harder because, geez, as we always talk about ratio stats yep. versus counting yep. stats, and then the counting stats, at least with what I did on the hitting side, was it's like you aggregate up home runs plus RBIs, you aggregate up hits. You know, it sort of makes sense without having to mess with the numbers. Well, what I've done is I've added wins plus saves, yep. so. That makes sort of sense, you know. Starting pitchers will get like in the 15 ish range, but then closers will have a lot more innings pitched, then and K's. All right, so I've aggregated a couple of stats to try to isolate pitchers who are interesting. Um, looking at wins plus saves, innings pitched, and K's. I've added some, I've expanded uh, the I prorated wins plus saves so they'll be in the set in line with innings pitched and K's, which are pretty close to each other. Um so interesting plus pitchers I end up getting Clay Holmes, Keegan Thompson, Devin Smeltzer, twin, Paul Blackburn, Andre Palente, Jeffrey Springs, Kyle Wright, Jorge Lopez, Daniel Bard, Tanner Scott, Spencer Strider, Danny Jimenez, and Hunter Green. Those are play- So those are all players that their preseason projections compared to their current projection um, trajectory, has changed substantially, the most in those three vectors: innings pitched, which we know in TGFBI is important, Ks, its a category, and then wins plus saves prorated to be in the same realm as those other two categories.
1: I think this is. I mean, I'm looking. I'm looking at a couple of these curves that you've that you've tinkered with here. I'm a little surprised at some of these. It looks like the. Well, I don't know. Some of the closers are more constant. Eh, Must be.
0: Yeah. Andre Palente, Jeffrey Springs. I mean,
1: Kyle Wright. What Kyle Wright? Do we actually like him? Some of these are so surprising. Why is Kyle Wright more owned than than I'm? I mean, just Keegan Thompson also on this list, right? Keegan Thompson has had like a really good year. <laughs> I, and yeah, he's I know. Still, he's only experiencing, you know, fifty percent ownership. Teeny bump. Yeah, really.
0: Devin Smelter has been is a flavored du jour. Yep. Of course, you did, I mean, the Twins starting has been a, just a who-knows-what's-happening situation. Yes. Yeah. Sort of interesting. Interesting. Um, I'll try to get this incorporated and committed. I think people can go to—I'll try to—famous last words. I will try to tweet out to the Jupiter Notebook so that people can see it. Um, I it love in. it.
1: That's great. That's—
0: Yeah, right?
1: That's an excellent outcome. Big fan.
0: And hopefully people can uh, understand uh, what, what we're presenting here. Big fan.
1: I think that about brings us to the review session. Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn back from the DL, so this is going to be a little bit of a lackluster read. He's one and one on the season, <laughs> one win, one loss. <laughs> uh, with a, he's, so he started five games. He's got a 5.33 ERA and a 1.33 WHIP. Ouch. He's only pitched twenty seven innings and he's got twenty six strikeouts over that. Uh that's that's not it's not good for what you wanted to be an easily top twenty pitcher. No. No, no, no. It's not good at all. And
0: you're really hoping that he was out for so long? He's out for a yeah. long time. That he would come back and be ready to go, and he's not. He's playing himself into shape, it looks like a little bit. He's also struggling. I don't know how much of that is struggling with the injury or just struggling to get.
1: I mean, he went out. He went out on a pretty hefty rehab assignment. I mean, he was on a two-week-long, two-week-long mm-hmm. rehab assignment. But he was on the sixty-day, sixty-day IL. It was a torn tendon. I can't remember. It was where was the tendon that he tore? Do we know? Oh, no idea. Here it is. It idea. says. So he had a knee surgery to repair a torn tendon. It's a lot of weight to put on that knee. <laughs> Uh, he's a big boy, and he didn't uh, doesn't appear to have laid off the laid off the boxes of cereal pulling a CC Sabathia in the in the time. I mean, so I actually I watched. You know, I went back to back to the olden days here and watched one of his outings. Happened to be against the Twins this week. Big benefit. Uh you know, five runs over uh, four innings. You were happy. About well, I was. Uh, ha- well, not not really because they still lost. But uh, but <laughs> the the Twins. The Twins putting putting up five runs. I mean, he he took he was like 45 pitches deep after two innings. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. That's problematic. That's really really problematic. I you know, I sort of agree that he's playing himself into shape, but I, I don't know, something just doesn't seem something just doesn't seem right. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Like so he's well, that's what I'm saying is that
0: it doesn't seem right thing. It seems to me like it's a little bit of playing himself into shape. Not even just playing into shape, like, like trying to get his heart rate up and sure. whatever. No, I'm I'm actually more talking about like playing him into the mid-season baseball form shape. Like, Because there is something about the grind of baseball where you need to kind of have mentally, physically be in it. And, you know, some guy is just, if they miss their regular... In their real June. yearly ritual of pitchers and catchers, and then show up for preseason, and show up for April, and then kind of get into the mindset by May and June. It's hard for them, and I guess I should have known this because I did watch Lancelin when he was in Minnesota struggle yeah. the year that he didn't have his whole spring yeah. ready for him the way that it was supposed to be. He struggled the couple of years where he hasn't had his regular spring routine.
1: But you picked him, but it's kind of, but I mean, yeah, I guess so. Cause 2021, he basically, they basically had a, a full routine for all intents and purposes. And that's, so he's an all-star last year, which is why people are, are hot on him. His numbers, honestly though, if you look at this, his numbers weren't that great. I mean, last yeah, year. He's, he starts 28 games, which is fine, but that's not, you know, that's ticky tack missing a few here and there, which you don't love from a fantasy perspective, He's got 176 strikeouts on 157 innings, but he only gets to 157 innings. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. you do like, obviously, you like a 2.69 ERA. That's great. 1.07 whip. You love those numbers. But those, I think we can say now, are anomalously low if you look at just everything he's done over the rest of his career. Yeah. It does look like he's getting a little bit unlucky this year right now. Well, I mean, I watched I watched the game and he he looked fine on the mound actually. He, you know, a few of his pitches a little outside the zone, fine. Maybe he's playing himself back in back into the grind. He did get a little unlucky. Like guys just kind of nailed the gap at the right time, at the right spot. I mean, I, the the White Sox don't appear to be the best fielding team. <laughs> like watching them I was kind of wondering like Wait, I thought the twins were supposed to have a bad yeah, outfield, and you know, watch watch guys yeah. bobble balls, and like, ooh, that's not don't love don't love to see that in the outfield. Like, what's going on? I think that was part of the theory of the case
0: for Lynn was that it was um, he was going to be on the le- on a league leading team, a team that was going to be right. contending for the number one spot in the AL, and he was going to be yeah. Last year was. Better than it should have been, but this year he's going to be able to amass. He could maybe he could have been the twenty win pitcher. Yeah, maybe he could have gotten to two hundred strikeouts kind of thing, and just you know the injury
1: happened at a bad time in the draft. Sure, I, th- I guess. Okay, so you just made a really good point, which is that I think Lance Lynn would be good on a good team, and when he gets on a when the he, sure when he gets on a less than stellar team. He's, he's struggling a little bit. And he's still... You know, it's funny because they were talking on the broadcast about how he's not even the ace for the White Sox anymore. No. No, I mean, no you, he's you not. Boner, you, you definitely can't call him the ace. I mean, it's Dylan Cease, I guess, who's know big, big air quotes ace. Yeah. Right now. We'll I, we, we, we should probably talk time. about Dylan Cease in a couple of weeks when we have an open spot. We should, so, yeah. Because as the, as the new guy. All right, we'll pencil that one in. What What do you think? I mean... Uh, looking ahead I don't I cannot see his value going up much can it go down no though? but he's but I don't think that he's I don't think anyone I think people have signed him off
0: as like are already already lost you know okay would you trade for him i mean it really depends on the price yeah i i would price is going to be low you know the price is going to be low yeah i i would i I wouldn't target
1: him for like a real good player. Would you? Is, is let's really? see. Let me let me try and give you let me try and give you a number. All right, uh, Corey Kluber having a better season this year. Would you trade Corey Kluber for Lance Lynn? Uh, maybe. All right, let's let's put this on. Let's let's make this our, our bet box contribution here. Uh, you want to do second half, Lance Lynn versus Corey Kluber. So after All Star break. Sure. And you're on sure, Lynn, we'll and it's we'll do category by category. Yeah okay,
0: so yeah so four categories. Yeah. Do you want to do we want to add anything in there? <laughs> well let's let's call innings pitched the last one. Okay, sure. Yeah, I think I think Corey
1: Kluber is a good it's a good comparison. But I think if the start of the year, if I told you draft Corey Kluber and get the same roughly the same production as Lance Lynn, you'd be like, uh, great. I'll wait five rounds and take Corey Kluber. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah no, I I'm not. But that's when it's the injury comes in and screws everything up. I mean, but Lance Lynn is a guy who's gonna get injured. He's mm-hmm. it, yeah, especially no, as he ages, it's gonna be he's gonna be injured. I mean he's we're we're in the, roughly the same age bracket as Lance Lynn at this point, and he doesn't you know he looks a little bit less fit. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, you know I'm yeah, just yeah, saying yeah. like I know how I feel sometimes, and I look at Lance Lynn and I'm like man, how does that guy do it? Yeah, he rolls out of bed. And he rolls (laughs) out of bed. Uh, Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, who are we doing next week? Next week, we're going to talk about Chris Sale. Oh, good timing. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.